I'm wearing, uh, I'm, I'm being that guy right now, John. I'm wearing uh, one of our shirts. Do you, I, know, I remember I said I don't wear my own shirts. Uh, do you wear your own shirts? I do. Um, I mostly, I mean, it's not, I don't like think about it and go like, oh, today's the day. I hope mm-hmm. somebody recognizes the word super train on a shirt. Because mm-hmm. as everybody knows about me, first thing you got to know about me, I'm a hugger. No, but also the other thing to know about <laughs> me is that <laughs> lots of hugging bear. You see, you know, he actually does smell like strawberries. Yeah. Anyway, I, I wear a Mac Weldon long sleeve over that. So my podcasts are obscured. It's for me. It's like a black brassiere. It just makes me feel yeah, more confident. Yeah. Secret underwear. I'm wearing the, the quote unquote, listen guys, it's a collaboration. We collaborate on everything. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing the quote unquote, my version in red. And I think the, your version in blue actually looks better on me. It looks better underneath your long sleeve t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Just my little secret. Shh. Mm-hmm. It's very intimate. I tried to sell both these shirts on my kids. They're not doing a lot of stuff with computers right now. So they were just not into well, it. Well, that's, that's just, and, and also they're, they're not impressed by your TV, which breaks my heart. My kid no. likes uh, uh, both of them. And I think we'll probably mostly wear the, the quote unquote, my version. But I was like, first day of school, you know, just saying. You probably make some points with, uh, I don't know, uh-huh. the janitor. <laughs> People will ask you about your shirt. That's what will uh-huh. happen. Uh-huh. Uh, hello, everybody. This is Reconcilable Differences. And uh, I think we have some follow-up this week. We do. Uh, this is one of the things I enjoy about all of my podcasts. I feel like... Uh, I think I made this pitch on uh, like ATP episode 400 or something where I was like, uh, here's what I think people should be getting out of ATP. Like, here's here's the value proposition, the value mm-hmm. prop, as they call it. Um, and I like it when people who listen to my podcasts are ahead of the curve. They know about things before the average person because yeah. they listen to a podcast that is hyper focused on some specific thing. And I feel like Rectif's listeners are at least two steps ahead of the rest of the world when it comes to technological grievances, because that Mm -hmm. is a topic we cover more thoroughly than those fat cats in the mainstream media. Oh, they want you to think everything's great. Oh, you go listen to a Mike Hurley podcast. He's happy about everything. You know, he's, he's got, he's got several keyboards scotch taped under his desk in super studio or whatever it's called. Oh, they love computers, but we're here to tell you, you know, there's always, there's always a kink in the hose somewhere. And, and our listeners are, you know, what they do, and to, to quote the McElroys, they play with us in the space. They, they, they come in, and they bring their learnings, as you say. <laughs> I can't even say it. They bring us their learnings, and mm-hmm. they're two steps ahead of everybody. Well, what's the instance here, John? Oh, yeah. So, this, so if you listen to Rectifs, uh, if you are a loyal listener, you already know about the big problem with modern televisions and their terrible stands that don't fit on people's furniture, particularly my furniture. You already know about that. You've heard about it for weeks. You're sick yeah, of you hearing ever about it. A, you ever seen a Sony ad where somebody has to fit it b- between like a radiator and a fireplace? You ever seen that? No, there's so. a, giant, a giant table the size of an aircraft carrier. No cables. With nothing on it, no cables, an infinite room, right? They, and they, so, they got room for a middle speaker that'll fit anywhere without obscuring the screen or getting uh-huh. in the way of the Lego. They have no problem at all. It's, it's it's like a model home. Exactly, right? And so, again, I think for, for months, years maybe, you've been hearing about this your directive. So I feel like you're ahead of the curve by listening to this podcast. When someone brings up this article that appeared in Wired, wired.com, we'll put a link in the show notes, you'd be like, oh, that? I've known about that for months. I've always known about that. I was born knowing about how crappy TV stands are. <laughs> uh, this is an article... 
who is it by? Um, oh, great. <laughs> I was about to see who it's by, but uh, something just popped up and, and grayed out the entire screen. It says, get the Wired podcast newsletter. And it allows me to enter my email address and sign up. I'm going to say no thanks. Anyway, mm-hmm. back to the article that I, I swear that that page had been open for like a minute and a half before that happened. And, and then and then like if you can read it, like the, it's not like you don't get all those pop ups if they feel you've exceeded your reading limit for the month. It's it's you know, what? I'll save it for the show. John, it's so hostile. It's so hostile. It was like time based because I've had this tab open for at least several minutes. Anyway, Parker Hall wrote this article and uh, the title is I just want my TV legs to actually work. Uh, here's an excerpt from the article. Uh, Parker says I'm the proud owner of an 850 square foot house in Portland, Oregon, and it's literally my job to mount and watch TVs. I'm not sure how it's his job. This is me on the side here because he has TV install. Anyway, uh, continuing. But I still have a pathological fear of drilling into my walls, same here, and I don't want to borrow my wife to lift and mount a new TV every few weeks. I would much rather watch TV on their own stands, you know, the ones that come in the box with them. But I can't, for the dumbest possible reason. They don't fit on my media console. I need to call out TV manufacturers, big and small, for a serious and common error in design. For the love of God, stop making TVs with legs so far apart. An entire article, yeah. dated July 29th, 2022. An entire article. And an editor approved that because they understood that this uh, uh, Parker Lewis or whatever his name is, he's speaking truth. Right. And, you know, now is Parker Hall a rectus listener? I don't mm-hmm. know. All I'm saying is that by listening to this podcast, you are on the cutting edge of technological grievance. You know what's wrong with tech products. And you know for so long before everyone else that you're sick of hearing about it. So mm-hmm. congratulations. Yes. This is part of the value that we provide here on Rectifs. I totally agree. And part of your hy- hypercriticism, I think... Uh, forgive me if I'm, I'm misusing the term, but you're somebody who has an eye for a regression where it's like, hey, you know what? It didn't always have to be this way. It isn't right. like our only choices are console console TV with built-in BSR turntable that takes up half the, the room or over my fireplace. There are other options. And now my question to you is, do you think, I don't know if I ever asked you this, do you think that decision is an aesthetic or as you would say, fashion decision to make these far like bow-legged TVs? I mean, it, a little bit of it seems to be fashion, but because you can tell, like, here's here's the deal with televisions. They're just big rectangles, especially with the bezels getting really thin. Like, there's not much to them. If looked head on, the way you're going to see them, you just see screens. So the only place these makers have to do anything that distinguishes their 16 by 9 rectangle from another 16 by 9 rectangle is in the stand. And I think mm-hmm. that has driven them to try to be, quote unquote, creative with the stands to, quote unquote, express their brand. <laughs> And they're screwing it up. Um, luckily, this, like I said, this generation, a few other ones have gone back to the central stand. But there was no, there was no problem that was being solved by these wacky stands. And there were many problems created by them. And I think that these manufacturers have heard the uh, hue and cry of their customers and are correcting things. Not Sony, though, uh, but we'll get to that a little later in the program. I'm sitting here looking at this um, studio display monitor. And <clears throat> I mean, uh, this is obviously a different case. You, you could not do a mount like the way my, I got the one with the swivel, you know, but, but the point is like, I'm looking underneath my desk. I have two cow digits. I have a, uh, a, a bear. I, I have, uh, from, from my kid. I also have a, a bunny I stole from my kid. I've got my, uh, SSDs and my USB pre two all are accommodated nicely underneath the TV. By the way, I can change the TV site. Now I know that's different. But while this is may not be a totally solved problem on every device, it seems like a like a like a brand flex to like make something that is so limited in how you can deal with it. 
at least with Apple, you could say, I want the $5,000 wheels or I want the up and down and I'll pay for that. It just, it seems that like, did you have any other options for uh, a mount or whatever it's called? Did you have any other options when you ordered your Sony? Well, Sony doesn't give you any options, but I feel like the manufacturers probably say, oh, you know, we're going to make this wacky stand that comes with it. You have no choice. You're getting it whether you want it or not. But mm-hmm. in the end, it's not a big deal because, hey, if you don't like it, every television we make supports whatever the VESA standard is for, you know, there's, there's a couple of different standards for mounting holes in TVs and pretty much every high-end television su- supports them. Yeah. But you can have them far apart or closer together and you could be like, K- Casey loves those. Casey and Jason Snell, they love those VESA mounts. Yeah. So, of course, my television has that mount, which is something I took advantage yeah, of. but you have uh, good taste. You're not going to do that in your living room. You're not a monster. Right. And and that's why I feel like maybe they think they can get away with just doing something fanciful with the stand because they're like, well, if you don't like it, I mean, they make you pay for it and it's in the box and it's oftentimes the largest, heaviest thing in the box with the television. Uh, but, it, you know, it doesn't stop you from using the television. Right. Well, I would just like to congratulate congratulate our, our listeners and uh, Parker Lewis for being so far ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. And Parker Hall, if you listen to <laughs> Arkansas Differences and that inspired you to write this article, like, credit us yeah. throwing a link. Why didn't you buy a shirt? Yeah, well, maybe we told you. Did. I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah. It seems like some. It seems like quite a coincidence. You know what I miss, John? I'll just say, say this in passing. You know what I miss? I, I well, there's, several, there's a couple things about the word via. I miss the via. Mm-hmm. I'm a blogger. I blog. Right. So when when you have a blog, and I don't know. I picked this up from the as we used to say blogosphere. But when you link to something on your blog, either as a pure link or as, you know, a like you have some commentary on your main section, it was considered polite and kind of cool to say via this person, often in parentheses. So you could say via Heather Champ or via Boing Boing or... Yeah, if I could backport a modern saying to a bygone era, it really helps people discover other blogs. Yeah, real... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, please remember to rate and subscribe. Mm-hmm. But like, okay, so I missed that because I think that was nice. I, at one point, movable type tried to, or type pad, so, some six apart venture. Remember they tried to do something called trackbacks, mm-hmm. mainly yep. got abused for spam, but yep, it was it a did. way to, yeah, try and like, like XMLize, like systematize that. And so my other beef with VIA, first of all, people don't do VIAs enough to say like, and then when they do VIA, it's like, in, it's like the implied at in a Twitter handle. It needs to stop. Like if you're saying you have a new article up at the intercept, the mm-hmm. at in at the intercept does not count. It's mm-hmm. silent and it's also not visible. Mm-hmm. Don't don't do that. And when you and via means like like it sounds. You could say like I got my dinner via Grubhub. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. the Grubhub made it or Grubhub ate it. It means it was via them. So when you say this new piece in The Intercept, uh, who writes for The Intercept, uh, like via Libby Watson or whatever, no. You say by that person. Via means how you discovered it. It's a Or HT. You do a hat tip. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Does that bother I like you? I, know you? I like I know you don't, better, than, better than HT. Oh, me too. But sure. you, I know you don't care about words like I do. You have other things that you concentrate on. But doesn't that, doesn't that uh, as you say, stick in your craw a little bit? It's not what it means. Read another blog. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different time. Uh, one final thing before we move on. Do you want to learn a little bit about Parker Hall? Let me tell you about Parker Hall. Uh, very much. I heard he can't I lose. Think, I, I think you'll you'll like this. So Parker Hall is an associate editor of product views at Wired. Sure. Ooh. He focuses on audio visual, visual entertainment products. Makes sense. Okay, now here we go. 
Paul is a graduate of the Oberlin Conservatory of Music, where he studied jazz percussion. Huh. After hours, he remains a professional musician in his hometown of Portland, Oregon. Is that, is that on his page or is that? That's uh-huh. at the bottom of this article. Okay. Oberlin Conservatory of Music. He I'm studied give you jazz three words, percussion. John. Three words, not my tempo. That's too much. Um, yeah. Just, just say what the person is and who they do. I, I don't need to know their favorite food. But good for him. Oberlin, I think that's a liberal arts school in Ohio, if memory serves. Sure, Oberlin is the one where the first one I remember hearing where they had that code where you have to ask people before you hold hold their hand or kiss them. They were now talk about being two steps ahead. <laughs> it's the only that was the first college to discover consent. Uh-huh. Well, the first <laughs> first one to, to formalize it with it's codicils. Just, yes. Yeah, it's, it's and it's neighboring college it was the first one to discover date rape. So it kind of balances right. out. Yes. Now may I finger you is, is a thing you would say at Oberlin. Please, let's turn it's a family show. Okay. Uh now I may uh, in marry the Unix you. sense. Everyone he's talking about Unix. Anyway. Oh yeah, no, you not put that those in, kind. No, I think you're talking about you're talking about touch or, or latex. Mm-hmm. Touch. Mm-hmm. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and for growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, you can engage with your audience, and you can sell anything. That's your products, your services, even the content that you create. Squarespace has got you covered. With Squarespace, uh, you can sell your products. This is crazy. In an online store, your own online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. You know, SEO is important nowadays. You want to get found, right? So uh, you can use the suite of integrated features and useful guides that help to maximize your prominence among search results. And a personal favorite of mine, you can have a blog. Come on, go start a blog. It's really fun. You have powerful blogging tools over at Squarespace. It's going to share your stories, your photos, your videos, and updates. You'll be able to categorize, share, and schedule your posts to make your content work for you. Um, I've been using Squarespace for a real long time, and I have an anecdote for you. This this very week, as I record this, hello, uh, I needed to make some changes to a Squarespace site of mine, and it was so easy. All I had to do uh, to change some stuff in the side rail, right? You go, I go over, I click, I change, and it's in Markdown, because of course, you know, Squarespace has no problem with Markdown. That, that's how I roll. And, and it was just, a, it was, as they say, uh, where my curly lives, it, it was a doddle. It was very easy. Gosh, I love Squarespace. They've been so good to me. I think they'll be good to you. So do me a favor. You go, you head over, you go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's the A-F-F-S. It's going to get you a free trial. Eh, no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. That's going to save you 10% of your first purchase of a website or a domain. Squarespace.com slash diffs. When you decide to sign up, use that offer code diffs for 10% off your first purchase. I'm given to believe that it'll help John Syracuse and he could really, really use it right now. Uh, it shows your support. So uh, our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Can, can I do a, uh, an in-band editorial note slash question? By all means. It'll be quick. Uh, John Syracuse, I have a feeling this week on our program we're going to talk about your TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know your opinion on skirting this line because I do feel like it would be beneficial for listeners of this episode, hello, to, to check out uh, episode, I can do this, I have tabs, to check out episode uh, 494, 
of your much more popular program, Accidental Tech Podcast, um, Ultra Wide Band Park Bench, because you, you did talk about some TV stuff there. In the interest of everything, doesn't it make sense to, I don't want to say assume people have heard that, but you oughtn't need to repeat everything you said there. Can we I will build? not repeat everything, but I will can repeat we build? Oh, no, that's fine. It's your show. But can we build on that? And I, do have, I do have some follow-up questions. I know that's your term. So mm-hmm. You just want to be remembered for one thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like that much to ask. But I have some, um, I don't have another word for it. You invented the perfect word follow-up. Okay, good. So what you do is you get atp.fm. Slash something. ATP. Slash 494. Slash 494 Ultra. That's a great we have title. quality URLs at ATP.fm. You do. You keep them short. You don't, you don't put posts or... Nope. Uh, I like Episodes. You, episode, you do that for your pod. I love that. Show me you are only recently into podcasts without telling me you are only recently into podcasts. I suggest using the word pod. So that will, that's a good, uh, uh, as you say, sorting hat. All right. Well, do we have, we have another one, right? Got more uh, follow-up? Uh, that was it for follow-up. I, we oh, you, what about your house? Your house, I understand, makes a noise when you do anything. Uh, uh, well, you skipped over vacation results. I want to oh, give up. A... Oh, crap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, John, did you get eaten or bitten or did you get any photos? What happened? What's your vacation results? I, I went on multiple vacations. not sure if you're aware of this. I am aware of that. I know that you had a second vacation. Uh, to uh, the, what is it, the city of Big Shoulders, Carl Sandbergville, <laughs> sure. yeah. where you were going to go and uh, you were concerned because you'd be flying again ugh, and then might be adjacent to people who were less hygienic about COVID-19 than you are. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But so first for a long island vacation, I did not get eaten by a shark. So thumbs up. Nobody got eaten by a shark. No one got bit by a shark. No sharks at all. We saw you see any some... shark drones? I heard there were drones. We had jet skis, and I'm not sure the jet skis oh. were there to share, scare away the sharks, but I'd have no explanation for them because usually we're the place where we go, there are no jet skis. You didn't see anybody like a quint? Y'all know me. You know what I do for a living. No, didn't see them. Uh, we did see some porpoises uh, popping out of the water a little bit. They oh. look different than sharks, if you know what, uh, you know, can recognize them. Not uh, to me. I'd yeah. freak either way. We did see some, oh, what are they called? I'm going to get the name wrong. Salps? I don't think I know what that is. Is that a sea creature? Yeah, it sure is. S-A-L-P-S. S-A-L-P is how you spell it. The SALP, the Wikipedia page. Oh, my God. Barrel oh shape my plank, planktic tunicate? Uh, and they're kind of, oh, they're clear-ish. And it, looks it looks kind of like a bunch of clear pieces of jellyfish, but they're not. Well, it, looks like, little, it looks like organized snot with eyes. Yeah, exactly. And they, they have little they have little black little things, I think, that's their, I don't know if that's their eye. I think it's their digestive yeah, system. Yeah, I, I don't care for that at all. Anyway, oh, you mean like like the vein on a shrimp, they call it a yeah, vein. No, we, yeah, no. So we had some salps. You know, you got your usual jellyfish, you got your crabs, you got your whatnot, but no sharks. That's good. It took a lot of good pictures. I'm working on assembling my book. Did you get any good flattering pictures of the hundreds of pictures that you took? Did you get any good flattering uh, photos of your children? Maybe while I they sure weren't did. aware. I have oh, lots of yes. beautiful pictures of my children and all sorts of other relatives. I'm be um, so grateful. There has been a, a, a much more severe uh, moratorium on posting pictures of certain ones of my children. So unfortunately, I can't share most of those publicly, which is a shame. Normally, I can't share most of them publicly. But now it's really like usually I can find one or two. It's like I can share this one and this one and that's it. Now it's like, no, you can share no pictures of me. So I, you know, have to respect these people's wishes yeah. and not do that. But rest assured, I have lots of good pictures and I will print them in a book that will be on my shelf in my house, which, I, which I'm allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Some, some of your metadata, I want it all. Put me on your photo sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
so that went well. Uh, and then my second vacation, as noted earlier, uh, is uh, a place I had to fly to. Uh, this sounds and- more like one of my quote unquote vacations, as you say, because you were going, this was a mostly family related affair that was not at the place you love to be. It's not the place that bothers me. It's traveling by plane that bothers me. So here's the thing. I didn't know what it was going to be like. I haven't flown in three years. It's been three years and two months since I flew. And we should remind our listeners who don't know that John not only doesn't love flying in general, but you do get extremely motion sick. In any place you can get motion sick, you, you generally get motion sick. Yeah. And, and of course, no one likes going through security, and I'm going to be wearing a mask the whole time. That's going to make everything more uncomfortable. It's not a bad flight. It's just from here out to Chicago. It's not a big deal. But... Uh, you know, it's not something I prefer to do. And, uh, you know, anyway, uh, the first thing I'm going to, there's a list of things that either changed or that I noticed for not in the three years since three years. the last time you flew. Yeah. And mm-hmm. last time I flew was to San Francisco, uh, for whatever WWC that was three years ago. Um, so first thing is when I went to the airport here in Boston, the percentage of people wearing masks in the airport was about one. Maybe one percent. There's Half been a, percent. a precipitous drop. I've heard this report, John. I've heard. I've heard on planes and especially you, you go to legal seafood. They got a good legal seafood there. You can get you a lobby roll. Um, uh, and I've heard that this has dropped. Real, you would put it at single digits. I counted people because I'm like, oh, you're probably just oh, exaggerating no in your head that's because no you're really terrified by how few people are wearing masks here in you know Boston. But count people. So I started counting people. I would count tens and say how many of that ten had a mask on, and how many of those you know. It was, and then I had to count twenties, and I had to count thirties, and I had to count forties, and I had to count fifties. It was it was insane. I would go to gates. Oh, here we are at B seven. Mm-hmm. Zero people <clears throat> wearing masks. B seven. Every seat is filled at B seven. Zero people are wearing masks. Oh my Nobody. god. Nobody. I was looking right. I just. I. It was unbelievable to me. It's unavoidable. If you do a quick scan, you, you're just going to go. You just, instantly eyeball at least like fifty percent or lower, and you're saying it's lower. And I kind of felt like you feel like when I don't know, maybe you know, you're wearing erective shirts and you see someone else wearing erective shirt across the street, and you give a little nod, a nod of acknowledgement to say, "Yeah, we know what's up." When I saw another masked person, <laughs> we'd make eye contact and we'd be like, "Can you believe these people? Like, what are they doing?" You give them, gonna, eh, what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to be in a tube with people sitting yeah. next to each other, breathing in each other's recycled air. And you're not going to wear, and then, and then occasionally you'd say, okay, there's a mask, but then you would like, but there's a chin mask. They got the chin mask. They're not at a restaurant. They're, they're still, not eating. They're, they're not drinking that. from their water bottle. The chin mask. They're sitting so, there. Somebody with a, they're not even, it's not even N, it's not an N anything. They're wearing, like a lot of people wear the surgical masks barely. I noticed that, uh, that the speak, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, when she was in Taiwan, she did not have the nose wire right. And mm-hmm. she was just blowing, blowing stuff. She was getting coronated and they gave her like a Mary McCheese sash and stuff like that. Pinned a medal on or a Taiwanese medal. Um, and uh, I think the same thing goes on here. You see somebody in a filthy surgical mask and like somebody like a fry cook who reuses their hat until it has like a yellow band on the forehead. And, uh, and yeah, and then it's a chin. It's on the chin. Protecting the, the all-important chin. Yeah. I mean, we're sitting, we're sitting at the gate because the seating is always taken at the gate because as the flight time approaches, there's never enough seating for people to sit. So we're sitting right next to people. Just every seat is filled. And the person next to me, hacking cough, uh, mask around his chin. Ugh. And it's like, seriously, I almost said something, which is a high bar for me because I don't like interacting with people and I don't want conflict. But I was like, you brought a mask with you. You put it on your face. You clearly have a cough. And you're wearing it on your chin? What's yeah. wrong here? What's wrong with this picture? Anyway, very few masks. Uh, <laughs> upsetting. 
Um, and you know, being, being an East coast, East coast elite, I'm like, well, if sure in the middle of the country, you'll see nobody with masks, but here on the East coast where people are smart, that won't happen. Nope. Uh, it's exactly the same. Um, so setting that aside, uh, flying, I, I don't, didn't think much would have changed about flying in three years. (laughs) And I'm, I will stipulate at the beginning. So please do not send me your email that everything I list here may be a thing that is simply not changed, but I never personally experienced because I fly, fly other airlines or something. But to me, these were all new. Well, it's the, the way that we talk about things. Like a good example is work working from home, as they came to call it. We're like, it didn't, I mean, working from home was not like a thing in quite the way it became, obviously, until 2020. And then WFH like became a thing, work from home. Well, people have been, quote unquote, working from home for a long time. I started working from home in 1995. Yeah, it was my first job out of college was working from home. Yeah, it's been around. It's not a complete, especially for people in, you know, tech stuff. It's not a new thing. It's just that now, oh, I now I see that and it is doable. People and companies saw that and it became a thing. And so basically a trend that had been happening over time for 30, 40 years suddenly became something normal people saw. I think everything that was terrible about flying mostly just became more terrible. And you've, you've read the stories. You know the problems about hiring and COVID, you know, taking out pilots. But everything that sucked about flying is still there, just more. What, what if flying but too much? Yeah, I'll actually, t- to just get this out of the way, I was very lucky with my flights. Our first flight was delayed three hours, but it, we got that delay before we left for the airport. So thumbs up there, right? Oh, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. so that's a win. And on the way back, we sat on the runway for 45 minutes waiting for uh, the the first lieutenant or whatever to show up. Those two things were our only travel difficulties. So I consider this an incredibly successful travel experience. Your, your luggage, your luggage, I heard luggage is a big problem for people. We did not check any bags, uh, which uh-huh. is a good thing because the luggage situation looked grim. It's always yeah. grim at Logan. In the best of times, you're waiting an hour for your luggage at Logan. I don't know what they do with Logan, but no, we, we managed to do everything in carry-ons. But you know, that's where some of the 9-11 people flew out of Logan. Something yeah. to think about. <laughs> Speaking of carry-ons, the things I want to list are not actually... <laughs> Are not actually things that are bad about flying uh, or things that uh, were existed a long time ago and only now are other people are noticing. They're just things that I notice. And I, again, it may entirely because I usually don't fly this airline um, or I haven't flown in a while. So here's here are the list of things. First, the device holders in the seat back. Do you know about this? Mm, I don't think so. So the back of the seat that's in front of you, assuming you're not oh, so like, like a you're saying like if you have an iPad, there's a place to put it up so you can watch it. Yeah. The back of the seats on modern ish planes. Hmm have this one has was a 737 which is somewhat modernish anyway it had um or the seats in it were anyway uh it had like this plastic contraption that had multiple different ways for you to put your ipad or phone which were all spring loaded with rubber things on the so you oh, could like put a clippy your, like a clippy thing yeah kind of like a, like a like a springy clippy thing it had multiple springy clippy things depending on the size of your device portrait right. landscape you could you could have a little tiny phone up there clamped in or a giant ipad clamped in and it was all this yeah, so i thought that was neat and an acknowledgement <laughs> not, that not an imac with 200 yeah. items in the dock not an imac but more way more than 200 that was uh, an amazing so that, that i thought was neat a uh, USB that's, that's port in the seat back. Love that, which I hadn't seen before. I find those. I find that and the power plugs. Maybe I, again, this is probably a cognitive bias. I feel like very often one of them in the road just doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, I didn't try any of these things, but they looked relatively clean. They weren't USB C, obviously. I don't like plugging. I don't like plugging my things into things. I I hate it when you get a rental car and it wants access to your contacts. It's mm-hmm. like no, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, but still, that's that's nice. They're they're you know they're accommodating. It's like when hotel rooms first got those iHome 
clock radios with a 30 pin <laughs> dock pin connector yeah that yeah. would look modern for about 24 hours yep 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 updated. i bet john roderick still likes those this episode of reconcilable differences is brought to you in part by sourcegraph you can learn more about sourcegraph right now by visiting about.sourcegraph.com so you've hired a brilliant developer well that's great but now you have to get them onboarded if your company is growing onboarding new developers will be a common occurrence, but it's a big undertaking each time. And one of the biggest challenges for new hires is to get up to speed with the project that their new team is working on. This can be tricky if the code bases your developers are working in are already large. Well, thankfully, Sourcegraph makes it easy to move fast even in those big code bases. Developers know that knowledge is most useful when it is findable. Centralization is helpful, but given the fact that most companies store knowledge in at least two different locations, well, how do you make knowledge accessible to those who need it? As a code intelligence platform, Sourcegraph gives developers what they need to drive their own learning over time and in different situations. Teams without Sourcegraph need to rely on asking colleagues or reviewing out-of-date documentation, which is cumbersome and time-consuming. But with Sourcegraph, Every developer can search across millions of repositories, millions of repositories, to find specific code, saving time for themselves and for everyone else. So when questions do come up, you know it's the big stuff that's worthy of the extra time. Sourcegraph was created to make developers' lives easier. And today they work with leading companies across every industry, including three out of the five of the top tech companies, plus PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, and Atlassian. So once you go right now, you visit about.sourcegraph.com and you can learn more. That's about.sourcegraph.com to find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world use Sourcegraph and find out what uh, Sourcegraph can do for your company. Or of course, you can just click the link in the show notes and that'll let them know that you heard about it from, uh, well, John Syracuse's friend. But you can say it's from John. He's unemployed. He doesn't care. Our thanks to Sourcegraph for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Uh, this next thing is the biggest innovation in air travel in my lifetime, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's exclusive to the 737 or if everybody's doing it. Bigger overhead bins. Are you aware of the overhead bin revolution? No, I feel like it's gone the other way. Maybe because we our flights usually involve going somewhere. Like, for example, for us to go to Providence, it's a big decision. Do you want to go to you want to go to Boston on a, like a nonstop flight and then just, you know, either fly or rent a car to Providence it's expensive to fly straight. Those little puddle hoppers, you can't fit hardly nothing in there. You're telling me there's an innovation in storage space. Yep. So picture a carry-on bag, you know, a little roller bag that fits in that little cage they say your bag must fix in, you know, a carry-on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Often a roller bag, right? People yep. want to get the roller bags on, you know. The larger overhead bins work like this. They fold down just like regular overhead bins, right? And you know what it's like. You know, you know the doggy dog world that overhead bin space has been for the past decade or so, right? You, depending on when you're boarding, oh, you're going to have to check it because all the bins are taken and there's never enough bins for everybody. And you're looking for a bin that's near your seat, and then you're just looking for a bin anywhere on the plane to shove your thing in. And someone's got a duffel bag that's sideways and like taking up the room. There's always some meaty guy pushing to the front and then slamming everything around and hitting your seat and all that kind of nonsense. Yep. So this is the innovation. These new bins finally acknowledge what everyone knows is that everyone has those overhead, those carry-on bags that are exactly as big as they could possibly be, right? And still be legal, like that everybody has that. And this thing is designed to carry them and they go in sideways like books. 
Let me send you a picture of this. So I, the, it seems to me you're often um, helped slash admonished by the uh, the air waiters of how the wheels go in first, or there's always a way where they're like, right, this is the way they, it's going to go. These things go in. Look at, look at this picture. They go right. in sideways like books on a shelf. Look at that. Look how many you can fit in there. They exactly fit that like this. seems like a bin of holding. I don't understand. It, you're like, where does it go? How does it fit that? That's Did they make how the they plane go in. taller? And they and this this one has one leaning over. You can stack them. This shows six. I think you can fit exactly seven full size hard case carry on bins. No one has to play Tetris. And, no and one to be has clear, to shove anything out of the way. Only like three rows. It is such a better system than it was before because you know exactly how many will fit in each thing, right? And it is way more efficient in terms of space backing. Well, and, and like I think it's it's a little bit like like trash cans or ashtrays, where like you say, okay, well we don't want people. I once had the weirdest conversation with the person who who does all the maintenance in the park near our house, and I was like, "Hey, you know, I noticed that you know maybe it's nine eleven or something, but we don't have as many garbage cans as we used to. You think we could get more garbage cans here? Because these kids go through the park at lunch, the high schoolers, and they leave a lot of junk." And her response was, "Well, yeah, I, I don't like having to empty those." Was her response, <laughs> and so people try to push a rope by saying, "Like, oh, we're not gonna if we don't put trash cans, then people won't fill them with trash." And in that instance, you say, well, we don't want people bringing their big meaty bags on so because we've got these adorable little bins. Do you think that's a capitulation to the reality of things like charging to check luggage? Don't you think that has something to do with it? Yeah. yeah. So the image I sent you is from an article, and the headline of the article is uh, United says that 100% of customers will be able to bring carry-on bags. Like, it's acknowledging that everybody wants to bring a carry-on, and nobody yeah, wants it's to usually be... Only, this is why, John, I know I, I have a reputation because of this program for pushing people, but mm-hmm. I I really don't want conflict with people, and I that's why I, as soon as my family arrives at the gate, if we have a carry-on, and it's clear there's a lot of other people there, I do the responsible thing. I go straight to the counter, and I say, hi... You know, any chance you're going to need to gate check stuff? We'd be happy to gate check ours. And all that means is that you don't have to carry it on. Like, you basically got a free bag checked, and you don't need to fight the meaty man. Yeah. But but people don't do that, because I think they, I I don't know. I like this, John. I approve of this. I don't like United. It's a garbage airline. But uh, oh, 737, that's a pretty big plane. Yeah, we did not uh, fly United. But anyway, that's what the, so. That innovation is a great idea because, it, in theory, everybody can have a carry-on now that is the maximum size and they can all fit. No one hmm. has to check. And it's just so much easier to put them in. You know exactly what orientation it's going. You slide it in. It slides in perfectly. Well, and, and just to, to state the obvious, the, the like I implied, I think, a minute ago, I think there's a lot of reasons people are terrible, awful animals at the gate. Why they keep wandering closer even though they're in boarding group mm-hmm. 35, mm-hmm. they're crowding that area and people with babies can't get through for boarding group 23. It's like, could you just, I've, I've gotten close to altercations with people where I, you go up and you're like, are you boarding right now? And, and, and the media guy will go like, don't talk to me. Like, <laughs> we're living in a society here. I think mm-hmm. part of the media guy problem is that you want to get people come in and they're Diana Ross and they got all their stuff and they want to assert themselves and, and sit real wide and take up the armrest. There's all those little dumb territorial wars you will have with the meaty men. And I, I hope this helps with that. It's not going to help with the lining up. It'll definitely, it definitely helps with the getting a place, finding a place for your bag, putting it there and sitting in your seat. There's an old, there's an old joke. It's not a very funny joke, but an old joke, like when you want to like talk about some, if you like Luddite or very like 
you know, conservative person, and they say something like, if, if God wanted us to roller skate, we'd have wheels on our feet. And I don't know about that, but I don't think people should travel. It's becoming clear <laughs> to me that travel should be much more exceptional. Even going, if, even to go to a funeral, that better be a very, like Bob Fosse danced for the first time in years. He danced at Pat- Patty Chayefsky's funeral because he, he ma- joked with him that he would come out and tap dance at his funeral and he meant it mostly as like, like a joke, but then he came out and did it. It was very moving. If you're Bob Fosse and you need to get to Patty Chayefsky's, fine, you're allowed to fly. If you're just buzzing around to go do biz dev, don't fly. People, just stop traveling. We need to stop traveling. It's an affliction. So a few more changes. Again, oh, sorry, yeah. Possibly not changes. <laughs> One, uh, um, automated voice instead of a live person reading all the things, you know, all the stuff that they say. Oh, well, once again, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. It used to have a person who didn't have to go grab the little microphone and and say that and uh, and uh, a voice. Some people were animated and excited. Some people were bored, you know, but now it's just, it was automated on this airline. And I think that, you know, that kind of took away from the experience. My new smoke alarm, my new smoke alarm. So I got a brand new smoke alarm. Finally, according to the technology connections guy, he did a real nice video mm-hmm. on uh, smoke alarms. And I realized yep. we had the crappy one. So I got us some nice photoelectric ones that are also smart. And I love, <laughs> I should get a recording for you. Our, our smoke alarm lady has an urgency to her voice that, that I find comforting. I don't want to do it now because it'll upset the neighbors. But, but she's very urgent about saying, smoke has been detected. Exit the building. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and I, I wouldn't mind a recording. You ever been on something like a Southwest where they, they, they treat it like it's some, you know, community theater thing where they're doing jokes and stuff? Yeah. Boy, I hate that. I kind of like the personal touch. Another thing is yeah. part of the automated announcements. This is a new thing that I hadn't heard before. Okay. Uh, it was, if your device falls into a seat, do not adjust the seat. Ask a crew member for assistance instead. This must be so common. Your they had to add it to the... falls into a seat. Yeah, they like had to add it to the, the boilerplate. Yeah. So if you, basically, if you have your phone or your iPad or something, and it falls into the seat, like between a crack between the seats, into the crack of the seats, which must happen all the time, and they're so sick of it. And then people are like digging, and they're trying to adjust the seat, and they're squishing the person behind them, and they're annoying Mm -hmm. everybody. They say, ask a crew member to help you. Don't try to get it yourself, you you clumsy oaf. You're Mm -hmm. never going to figure it out, and you're going to annoy everyone around you, and everybody drops their devices into the seat cracks. It happens so much that it's going to be in the same thing where we tell you about, you know, like, trade tables up, blah, blah, blah. Like, that. it's so important that it gets into that announcement. If your device falls into a seat, do not adjust the seat. Ask a crew member. I bet bet, bet people don't follow that. No, they don't. Uh, Another thing that surprised me is um, they're still asking for devices to be put into airplane mode. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? Well, because of technology. Why? Why are they that? Well, John, it'll interfere with pilot things. If you're looking at your Kindle, if you've opened the cover on your Kindle, can you imagine what that's going to do to, to Captain Rob? The, they, the seat back things, like some of them have Bluetooth in them, don't they? And I mean, they sell Wi-Fi on the planes. It's you can't the, use any of that a, if you... <laughs> it's more... The, it's theater all the way down. That's... Yeah. It's, it's always been silly. I, I would not be surprised if there was a time in the advent early days of cell phones like cellular phones where, well, not GSM, but whatever it was, the one that makes the weird noise when you're video recording, you hear that. Like, I'll, I bet there is probably something on the plane where that could be weird, even just eating up a small amount of bandwidth, maybe. They can't that's possibly be because 20. nobody puts their devices in airplane mode. This is no. a plane full of people, their device is not in airplane mode. 
this one, this one is, I know this has been a thing forever, but I don't remember it being part of the upfront announcement. Apparently it has been elevated to that thing, which is yeah. that if you're in an exit row, you have to have your window shades open during takeoff and landing. I think window shades open during takeoff and landing is, I've heard it said that that is technically all of the window shades. I don't know why, maybe for getting out if something happens. Oh no. Yeah. Not exit row. If you're, if they're over, if you're over the wing, that's what they want. I think it's so you can oh. see the engines blowing up. Oh, you, you could be right there and you could maybe get get some help from the uh, flight attendant. Uh, it's like if someone needs to look to see if an engine is on fire, they don't mm-hmm. want to have to first ask you to open your window shade. That's my theory. Right, I don't the actually little orange know. button of a lady in a dress. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, huh. I think it's like I think it's like the flight attendants. They want to be able to quickly glance out the window and tell the captain if the engine is on fire. Tell Captain Rob there's flames flames on the starboard yeah, side. Th- yeah. That that has been elevated. And That's, the final I, I, thing. I've not heard that one usually. The final very sort of disturbing little, like it amazes me this made it into the intro announcements because i feel like this is not the type of image you want to put in the head of anybody but here it is uh infant life vests are available on request so if you have an infant and you would like a life vest for that's your infant, probably the kind of thing that if you're gonna ask you probably want to do it on the early side of the flight well that's what i'm saying all right so what what is the what is the call to action well i'm, I'm here to tell you this is the kind of thing i get in fights with people about this is the kind of thing i get in fights with my wife about about like how to deal with a problem, which is like in life you need to know when to pose something as a factoid and you need to know when it needs to be an action, uh, sorry, it's a legal term, an actionable request. You know, if, if, if it were me and I was on, on uh, Captain Rob's uh, crew and I was recording that, I'd say, uh, if you're flying with an infant, please alert uh, the 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 flight attendant and they'll give you an infant life best. But, but, that's, but that's the question. Do they expect people who have an infant to preemptively get the infant life vest and then just keep it on their lap for the what's whole the cutoff? Flight? What's the cutoff? Like if it was Vern Troyer or like uh, Billy Barty or something, what's the cutoff in vest size? I think it mostly just makes an inflatable collar. Yeah. yeah. I think I think infant is very is is clear what they're talking about, but like, but is that the expectation that preemptively you ask to for well, one of I'm, these? I'm just and saying to state the obvious. You don't want to ask for that at the point when Julie has seen. No, you can't. Yeah. You can't ask for it then. It's well, too late. At that then. point, they're busy telling people to get their trays in the upright and locked position. So then you have to ask for it. Brace it's for like, impact. I feel like almost like why not just put an infant one under every seat. Just so you don't have to, just so you don't have to say the words "infant life vest" at any point during the flight. Infant life vest, yeah. And then you're talking about like, like, a, like you know, there's a certain age when you you don't have to pay for a seat. You got a baby in arms. Mm-hmm. That's what they call yep. it. Yep. Huh? Infant life vest. Like every adult seat should have an infant life vest underneath the adult life vest. So well, you how would you know which is infant... which? I- iconography. Yeah, I don't know. By anyway, feel. So that that's it the, that I noticed that was different about flying. Other than that, it's the same old stuff. No. Oh well, yeah, but you didn't get to the good stuff. What about? your fellow passengers behavior i'm looking for anecdata on how you feel people are behaving because i think people are getting angrier and meaner i said so on dubai friday i think everybody's getting weird and i think one of the things on flights is you might be you know a lady in her 60s in first class who literally stands in a doorway Mm -hmm. where somebody Mm -hmm. can't get by even after you've asked very politely. So I've, oh, I've been very lucky with air travel and haven't had to deal with any weirdness for the most part. I think this flight in particular, uh, the fact that everybody, that nobody had to check their carry-on, as far as I could tell, like nobody had to. There was room for everybody's stuff. That helps a lot because the, the main fussing I've seen in my life of, my, of very limited air travel is people fussing about they don't want to check their bag. 
oh, there's no more room in the overhead server. Oh, well, but I can, what if I do this? And what if I do that? But no, we're just going to have to check it. Oh, but I can't. Like that, that debate didn't happen. Nobody had to talk about that. There was room for everything. But I mean, that's like going, I mean, it's, it's weird that the scurrying that meaty men do when they're arguing with the waitress about this. And they're like, they're, it's like somebody going to an onco- oncologist and saying, well, can't I just wait this out? Or mm-hmm. like the way they jam and they turn and they, all the banging, so much banging. You don't have to do all that banging. They expect physics to change because they got a big rolly. Yeah, so they don't have to deal with that. And the other thing is traveling with a family. I was going to say a big family, but traveling with a family, just four of us, but we're a family. We take up a whole row and then some, right? And so our neighbors are our family. And for better or for worse, we know the deal with our family. So I don't have to yeah. sit next to someone clipping his toenails or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So that that worked out pretty well. You, you, you're, you're really uh, pound sign blessed. Yeah, that's true. You don't think people are getting weirder? I mean, not on my flights. There were, other than the fact that nobody was wearing masks. <laughs> Did um I, I this is controversial and I, I don't have a surpassingly strong opinion about this, but I have a small opinion about this. Uh, did anybody clap when you landed? There was no clapping. I mean, if it, uh, I've seen it happen, if it's a very particularly challenging landing, but our landings were not challenging. Yeah, there's a place. Um, oh God, where is it? I think it's uh, what's the Bob Hope area, Palm Springs. There's this one where you have to do this in, to get in and out of this airport. You have to basically go into a oh, there's rocks and then there's a hole. Like, it's, it's basically you're going into a valley, essentially, surrounded by cliffs, and that's crazy. I think a lot of times it's people who are having fun. It could be, it could be younger people on a spring break type situation. Maybe you've got some groomsmen and bridesmaids. I, you know, I think a lot of the people in groups clap. It could be that, but the, the ones that I experience is, like, if it is a difficult landing in the opinion of the passengers, and the opinion of the passengers is entirely swayed by how much am I being bumped around. If the plane is bouncing and bumping around due to wind and weather— the that's when the passengers decide this must be a difficult landing. There are plenty of difficult landings that don't feel difficult to the passengers because they're difficult right. for technical that, reasons. Because they did their job well. Yeah. Right. Or, or like just because it's difficult in a way that is not clear to the people sitting in the seat. And there's no point in throwing somebody off a plane. for If they clap at takeoff, I think you turn that bird around <laughs> and you say, you go back to gate 7A. <laughs> the miracle of flight. They can clap at takeoff. It's fun. It's cool. We got a clapper. So anyway, uh, Everything worked out. Uh, Good. That vacation was fine. Uh, when, so, when I landed, no, I landed wait, wait, in a place. Uh, follow up. Who got, anybody get sick from the second oh, trip? Oh, yeah. So I landed in a place where no one was wearing masks either. But we did the best we could. Um, when we came back uh, today or yesterday, um, everyone seemed to be fine. This morning, my son said he had a sore throat. He's the one who in our family who had COVID before. He said, I have a sore yeah. throat. Yeah. And he's like, you know, we wanted to get tested. Like, Why is that? can't so go we- to college. Yeah. yeah. So we tested the, the whole family. Uh, we're all negative. We will test again tomorrow. Well, they thought Joe Biden was negative. He's like Bolsonaro. He just keeps getting it. It's the, he's not getting it multiple times. It's the same. He might be getting it multiple times. He's got what's called. He's got a throwback. He got the same thing Mr. Fauci had. He's got the uh, the kickback or whatever it's called from the recidivism. Yeah, or, yeah. I think what's it called uh, for propanolol. The what's <laughs> no, it called? That's not, that's not what's it. That's what I take. I do that. No, what the heck? For flexin. Yeah, something starts with a P. Do you follow? Do you follow drugs closely? you follow that <laughs> i do not huh all right um but like if i want to take is it okay for me to take pictarvi if i'm already taking defetalide or revampin do you know you need hippocrates okay i will i will do that don't be hippocratical it's an app on your phone that just tells you that it will inform you of drug drug interactions hippocratical that's not a thing oh you sent me you sent me a graph yep final final little bit here before we get to tv uh, can you take a look at that graph? Uh, yes. You, you are interested in the indoor temp line and the outdoor temp line. Can you see the worrying trend yeah, of the indoor see, temp line? I That's see seven a, days. Seven days worth of data. 
Yeah, I mean, I see the so John sent me a um, a, a line graph with two lines on it showing degrees. One is the temperature inside. So the dotted one is outdoor, which just mm-hmm. goes up and down in a cycle. Oh, John. That you got a temp. That's a John, bad you got sign. A pat- you got a pattern here. Yeah, no. I, we, so start, Looks so like it got week, hotter in your house. This is a week, right? So the starting of the week, the indoor oh temperature. Oh, my God. You're, is, it was over 90? In my house. Inside well, my but house. But da- Daisy wasn't there, right? No, this is, this is with humans in the house for some portion of this. Is this because, but how, it looks like it's building up, like yeah. wax on a floor. Yeah. The, the temperature goes up and down. It gets to 95, up to 95 uh, during the day. It looks in the afternoon, usually. And then it goes down at night into the usually high 70s. And how is it over four or five days, your indoor temperature is cumulative? Right. Well, so you can did see you the not, indoor temperature crack, does, crack the does dip at night, but the next day it goes up higher than than the previous peak. And this was mm-hmm. going on for multiple days. Right. Uh, so it's the bottom line is it's been very hot in the Boston area. OK. And my house does not have central air conditioning. No, you got that one in the attic, the heavy one with the sharp corners you got to put in the windows. Yep. We got, we got window units uh, and uh, normally they are enough to keep the house cool. But this heat wave combined with the fact that we were not here for part of this heat wave and therefore couldn't keep the house cool, really has put a hurting on our window units. So you can see in the final day, the final day of this graph. Is that when you, is that when you got home? Uh, no, that is after we got home. You know, the, the, thing, the thing that changes this graph, the thing that pulls it down from, hey, the inside of the house temperature is over 90 degrees. Finally, you see the line take a big nosedive. That is when I pulled out the auxiliary extra bonus <sighs> window unit. Oh, the pros from Dover. Whoa. I pulled oh. down the backup AC window AC, plug that into a window. Look at that. Look at that line go down. You you deployed the right tool, it seems to me. Yes. It was it was an emergency, uh, you know, emergency hot spare backup deployment. John, of a John, is that unit. in the attic with your uh with your plasma boxes? Yes. And you know, that's part of the experience I feel like of having window units is on the very hottest day and the hottest possible moment to have to go up into your totally unair conditioned, extremely oh, right. hot attic and carry yeah. down a very heavy Heat rises, John. sharp metal box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no pleasure in that. Could you store them in the finish room? Be easier to get to. I mean, that's downstairs. There's not a lot of room down there. The attic has the rooms. That's where they are. But you can put it by your freezer. But anyway, uh, yeah, my axe filled with junk. Uh, sometimes it's good that it's filled with junk because I didn't have to go out and buy an AC, which would have been possible. Because you have the plasma TV box from eight years ago. <laughs> no, my plasma TV box is not upstairs. It's too big. It is now sitting in the hallway, the entry hallway of our mm-hmm. home, waiting. Does waiting the lid for something on that one come off if you just grab it? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad I deployed the. Uh, you the did the right thing, and now, now you're back and you're well. Uh, you know, two thumbs up. As far as I know, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll keep you updated. Next next episode, we'll see. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Indeed. You can learn more about Indeed right now by visiting indeed.com/diffs. If your business is your dream, you're going to want to hire the people who share that dream and have the skills to help it grow. And you can find them faster now with Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed's Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. 
With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. And assessments really are great. Indeed helps star applicants to shine with over 135 assessment tools from cooking to coding. That's kind of cool. Even better, Indeed is the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined. My goodness. That's according to Talent Nest uh, 2019. That's the citation. So why not go now and you can join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. So start hiring right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash this. That's D-A-F-F-S. That offer is only good for a limited time. So claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash diffs, I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash diffs. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for sponsoring Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. All right, that's my hot house. Now it's time to talk about TV. John, I don't want to make a big deal about this, but I've been looking forward to this. Um, it, it, I've known for some time now that you've been, as you say, preparing the way for a TV to come, a TV you've wanted, or, I mean, just where do you even begin the process? But the, the thing is, and you've sent me some photos that were fantastic. I would love for you to say, you talked about this on ATP. I would love you any way you want. I would love to hear how it's going with your new TV. Your quantum, I can do this, quantum dot OLED. Pretty good. It's a cutie. So close. Yeah, it sounds like you're trying to not say that anymore. And I kind of liked it when you'd say QD OLED. No, but you can't even you can't even tell which one I'm saying. I just slur it together and you can't tell if I'm saying Warsh. the letter Q followed by the letter D or the word C U T I E. You don't know dawn, which one I'm saying. Dawn. Yeah, I'm saying olive juice. Oh, olive juice too. Elephant. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh so yes, my television did arrive. The the drought is over. I have a new television. Uh and uh everything print went surprisingly well. Uh you know, I so I have some updates. Uh you know, I'm not going to assume people heard the ATP thing. I was expecting a lot more pain. When I saw it was 51 minutes long, that section, I thought, wow. I mean, unless you're not done, I was expecting some, I was really surprised by the end that it sounds like, despite some some hurdles, the hurdles one encounters, and the hurdles you encounter, because again, you're trying to fit this thing into this very specific area, a corner of a room. Your house is crooked and makes noises, but at least the part up to the ATP point of, I guess, last week, uh, it sounds like it went pretty well. Yeah, preparation pays off. Like all this preparation of pre-buying the stuff. Oh, sing you know, it, sister. Sing. Doing, I can't. I can't doing tell all people the research. Enough. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, like having all the stuff available, knowing what order things are going to go in, preparing the way, which is a thing that I did. Preparing the way involved ripping out all the old stuff, taking down the old TV, boxing it up, removing all the old cables, removing all the old devices, dusting the area, cleaning the area. Putting down pieces of masking tape, marking where things are going to be. You dusted on your old video game consoles, and and the and the clear uh, bin where you, you keep you have a little museum around where, <laughs> where you watch TV. Yeah, um, I got questions it, about the bin. I, uh, it's something you didn't see in a lot of the pictures because I had probably removed it by then. But masking tape, I'm big on masking tape. Uh, I use masking tape to mark where all the pieces of furniture involved are. So if I accidentally bump them or move them, they can go back exactly where they are. Uh, I put masking tape down, marking where the where the TV stand would be on my piece of furniture. So it's I know it's exactly centered, exactly squared up. 
uh, so that the surface of the screen is the distance that I want it to be like, so that when the time comes to put it in, I don't have to take a big, heavy stand and TV and put it on there and try to move it and twist it and shove it. Well, but like the, the point of all of this is like to quote Radiohead, no surprises, like to the extent yeah. possible, let's think about, and I, I was telling Alex about this. I decided to make an ad hoc standing desk at my desk and my prototype for that. This is going to be a pitch for the idea of minimizing planning before you test something out, in this case, your masking tape things. You know what I mean? Like, don't spend all day planning. Spend some of your day trying a thing and then go back to planning more and you iterate that. But I thought, I didn't think about what would change if I had a quote-unquote standing desk. And it, it really, there's a lot that was really clear. I wouldn't be able to hit my mute pedal where it was. There's all this stuff I never would have thought of unless I did the equivalent of putting down the masking tape. You're basically doing a paper prototype for your life. But in case it's not clear, the reason I'm using masking tape is you can peel it back up from surfaces without leaving gunk down. It's kind yep. of the point yep, yep, of yep. masking tape, right? Uh, and it's it's pretty cheap. It's highly visible. Uh, yeah, and I highly recommend it if you're going to do any kind of thing to put down the masking tape to get everything where you want it. Because then when time comes to do the thing, it's like there are little outlines of where you're supposed to do stuff. It becomes like a shape sorter. TV, go here. Furniture, go here. This goes yes. like it just it makes stuff so much easier. And the the tedious time of like measuring to make sure the stand's exactly in the middle of the piece of furniture and exactly, you know, perpendicular and parallel to the things that's supposed to be perpendicular. Like you spend the time doing that before the TV is there so that when the TV Absolutely. gets there. You're not like, oh, I wanted to get this set up, but it's taken me, you know, five hours and I still haven't gotten the TV out of the box. And you can do that all ahead of time. So well, I you've, did all you've, that. you've gone through this entire process. Jokes have left the room. You've gone through this as much as you're how you are. And that's very funny. And we have a good laugh about it. But, you know, you, you, you've been through this. You know what you're going to do. And you understand probably better than you would like the constraints of that space. To, to state the obvious, it is not like in a photo from a Sony like promotional package. It's not like it's, it's just like that article from Wired. Boy, they're really telling me. When you showed me know. the area, you described this on ATP, but you'd sent me a photo of like the area where you're gonna you get into your little corner area where all the cords mm -hmm. are and what's involved with that. I mean, all I mean, all of that stuff matters. It you know, things like how much this is gonna weigh. I mean, you lucked out, it seems to me, on how what was it? there's the last piece that barely fits in a shelf and you have to push it a little bit. Did you, did you know that was going to be so tight? Yeah. I mean, I had done all the measurements beforehand and I had, and, and you know, you can do all the measurements beforehand and say, I think everything's going to fit. Uh, here's, here's the, here's how tight things are. I just realized this, uh, couple of days after I got the TV installed. Um, so I sent you a picture of me standing behind my television. My television's in the corner. It's like on an angle in the corner. So there's a little triangle space behind the TV. Did you want like a, a sea of electronic salps. Yep. Uh, and so d how do I how do I get back there? How do I get behind the television? Well, if you, you look, go around the right. <laughs> you, uh, you, to, well, you have to move your bin. <laughs> well, if you look at the picture, you can't go around the right side because the radiator's there, right? And right, the TV is practically touching the wall. And around the left side, that's how I get in. You have to move the bins to get in there. And when I was installing the TV, I was like, boy, there's just barely enough room for me to slide my skinny body sideways, you know, mm -hmm. uh, put my back against the wall, right? And slide my body through there. I mean, as tidy as you are and how these cables are organized, it is still kind of a monstrosity. And we're talking about an area, it's, imagine a triangle, I didn't take trig, but imagine a triangle that on its base is, what, three and a half, four feet wide? Yeah, and then a, a but then a, what kind of triangle would that be, where it's the two of the sides are the same? But hey, we're talking about a very small, as small as you are, as narrow as your ass is, getting into this space looks crazy. Oh, there's your bins, I see them. 
Yep. Um, so yeah, I can barely fit, fit through oh, there. There's a lot right? of tape. Are these Velcro ties you used to tie these together? Yeah, those are all yeah. Velcro ties. You nice. Some of them are, all that is, this is the old TV you're looking you got, at. You got, some tape. <laughs> you got some tape on your power cable? What that is? Uh, I can't no, that's tell. More, that's more Velcro stuff. Is that rats? Okay. All right. Yeah. Anyway, um, so most of that's, that ugliness is hidden, right? But so with the new TV in, I can barely fit uh, around the side there. And I just realized the day after I had it installed that not only can I barely fit there, but the window shade has to be open because if the window shade is closed, that takes away precious one inch that I need. Yet, <laughs> that's a tight. That this is a very fault intolerant, and that's the shade that diminishes the amount of light, so you can enjoy your TV picture more. Right, right. and that shade takes up enough room you can see it <sighs> to the left of the TV. I have to oh open that gosh. shade to get my butt <laughs> to fit through the space to get there behind the thing. So things are tight, but luckily mm-hmm. I did accurately measure everything. Everything fit. The third-party stand that I got. See, this is what right happened up. with the space shuttle, right? They got cocky about measurements and accidentally went European, and then everything goes tits up. Yeah, with this no. case, you you had you had one standard. You followed what you had a plan, and you stuck to it. Is that sisal? What do you call that kind of wall covering? What's that called? It's kind of. I think it's like bamboo. A, no, I think mm. they. It's like. Uh, what is it called? Grass fiber or something? Mm, huh. It's it's actual literal fibers, uh, like stuck stuck to wallpaper. Uh, and everyone hates it except for me. I like it. I find it very cozy and homey and very Hobbit like. So I, I enjoy that. Oh, I want to say Sissel. Yeah, it's Hob- Hobbit ish. And you got to move. Okay, all right. So and so the one you sent me though of the triangle, that's the old setup that you had to deal with. That's the old TV. The new one, the new one. If you look at the front view of the new one, the new fancy TV, it's got the picture. Is that the one with berries on it? The cherries, yeah. Cherries. You got to send me that honey thing. I want to see the honey thing. Yeah, and no, I'll send you. I'll put the, I'll put the link in the show notes. What we're talking about is the uh, there's a a demo video. It's supposed to show off uh, how amazing OLEDs are and what the way they do that is by showing every ang- every angle is the best seat in the house. That's what yeah. I heard. Show they show like uh high you know high dynamic range images with lots of bright stuff, but they have lots of bright things right next to lots of dark things. So they have uh, like, high contrast, like bl- backlit glowing gold honey on a oh, pure black I background. I get it. And so the highlights on these berries are very close to white, and the background is very close to black. Right, but the honey one is. Let me, I'll get to the video in a second. Give me so the honey. Yeah. Although you won't be able to see it in HDR. No, no. Well, I'll. Oh, I'll do it in my home. On your on your inferior. Uh, uh, my regular there. OLED, yeah. No, no, I mean like on your computer screen right now. Oh. Um, as long yeah. as I don't have to use the speakers or the USB-C, I'll probably be fine. City oh, yeah. of Industry. Let's see. Okay. Are right, um, you going to send me honey later? I'm just trying to find the video. It annoys me when I don't have that link readily available. I thought I put it in a playlist, but where does YouTube hide the play? Anyway, I found it. Um, here we go. Let's go. Oh, look, it's queued up to the honey. What? What is amazing. All right. <laughs> I don't need it to be cute up Your to the Your family's honey. not impressed, are they? No, no one. That's the saddest part of this whole thing. Uh, my, the way my heart goes out to you is the whole, like, because I just meet all the time. It's become a running joke where my kid makes fun of me, where I go, like, uh, like they'll all be like, hey, does this look weird? And I'll go, oh, yeah, I think we're watching the 720p version. And then I pull up the 4K UHD version of whatever, and I go, I say to my kid, come here, come here, come here. Get up. You get, I was like, come on, get up, get up real close. Get up real close. You see how crisp that is? <laughs> And so now anytime I'm like, man, I love our TV, my kid just turns to me looking up from their phone and goes, crisp. <laughs> You're not allowed to enjoy this TV. 2020 LG OLED, the black four. Okay. All right. Oh, I'll do this tonight. Yeah. Put it on your TV. It'll look good on your TV too. Not as good as on mine, not but as it'll good still as look yours. good. <laughs> if I look at it straight on, it'll be fine. Yeah. 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 Now, um, 
so the, like I said, the stand, the third party stand that I got, I was afraid it would be super janky. It's not great, but the main yeah. thing I want out of a stand is to hold the TV up and not wiggle. And so this this stand has zero degrees of articulation. Yeah, you got a you got a stand that doesn't do anything cute. It does not rotate. It does not tilt. It does not yeah. do anything. I just want it to hold things perpendicular to the surface they're on. What if somebody comes over and there's like a pillow fight or something? Like you're going to need all the help you can get. And if that's got a lot of articulation and what I would call cuteness. Like, forget it, you're screwed. You're going to have your 65 inches going down. Yeah, or like if just a kid jumps on our floor, our whole house shakes. That's and, right, your house shakes. Or you know, somebody shuts a door, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't want that <laughs> tilting. Out. So it's not an attractive stand. It is just literally a black rectangle with another black stick coming out of it. But hey, the black stick comes out of the middle. It's a pedestal stand. Uh, it fits on the desk. I feel like they could do more. They did a little of this with my LG, non-cutie OLED. Uh, I feel like they could do more with helping you with the cables. You know what I mean? Sometimes I feel like I feel like there are more ways that you could use. I don't know. I mean, it seems to me that one benefit, I know this is not a popular idea right now, but if you were to have, let's say, a base that is wide, sort of like my old OLED, where it was probably, I don't know, several feet across, and it didn't need to be as heavy. Because again, you're not being cute. You're not trying to put it on a stand like Michelangelo's David. It's a stand that's there to hold up a TV that's on something. And if you make it wide enough on the bottom without legs, you can do all kinds of stuff with it. It seems to me like even if you made a stand, I'm going to say, let's say four feet wide. How wide is one of these? Not not vertically or diagonally, but you know, this is probably like a what, four and a half feet, one of these TVs, something like that. The stand that, uh, that's on no, my the, TV? the actual television. Oh, uh, the actual television is, well, it's pretty wide. It's like... Yeah, but okay, so like, but for instance, like I, I'm just off the dome, but like what if you made a stand that was like two inches high and four feet wide and all, and a lot of the inside, maybe it's weighted or something, but you've, you know, if you make it... Is, isn't that what yours is like though? Well, the one I've got now is mostly heavy. But it's also very wide, isn't it? I don't remember. I think it's pretty wide. I don't want to look at photos. It upsets me. But like that could, if you had some of that inside with either at least a channel or possibly some of it just like wide open, think of what you could do with cables. for. Some, if you're not somebody with like a, a receiver that it needs to get to, I, God, I would love that. I, I, I like that we've got more HDMI than we used to, but you can never have enough HDMI ports. I mean, we're not even like super connected as a family, but for example, the 4K UHD Blu-ray player, the super Blu-ray player, to really get the full benefit of it, you're supposed to use two HDMI cables. You don't have to use, you don't have to use two HDMI cables. It says you're supposed to use two. Are you saying my all that jazz could be just as jazzy if I only use one? Yeah. What is it? Why is it? What do you think it's saying that? I know it's got two of them, but you don't need to do that if you yeah, have Yeah, you a, need a bigger pipe. It's Bob Fosse, man. I know, but you got that. Anyway, uh, my Blu-ray player is just connected with one. It's one fancy... 4K, blah, 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 uh, HDMI cable. That's all you need. Well, maybe if you don't have a receiver, you need to. <sighs> I don't know, a, man. Think about getting a receiver in your life really simplifies things. Uh, I I was envious hearing about your uh, AC360 or whatever it's called that you got. But then I thought, you know what? I, I don't want to say I like the interface for the LG, but I kind of like the interface. I love the remote, believe it or not. I, I like the, what's it called? What's the thing that used to be Palm? Um, Web, web OS. OS. I like the web OS interface and it's sometimes over cutely rounded fonts, but it's totally understandable. It's totally doable. The The remote makes a hundred percent sense to use. I mean, you talked about not liking several parts of the UI in your new setup and I, I felt you on that, but like if you've got an okay, good remote, 
Like it really helps a lot. Like when I'm using the little four way on the Sony Blu-ray, we got a Sony, the Sony Blu-ray came with a remote and we've got a remote for the PlayStation when, when that was our Blu-ray player. But I don't know, man, I, the Google TV thing. Yeah. You've been using that for a few days now. How's that interface working out? You don't use it much. You're mainly, you're mainly using that interface to make stuff go away or not exist. You're not using it to control what's on the screen usually. Well, one of the things that comes with my television, a lot of people have Sony television recommended is this, you know, in, in the Google TV interface that runs in this, there's an app called Bravia Core. Bravia is Sony's brand naming they use for their televisions. Uh, and the Bravia Core uh, app, it's like a Sony streaming video app where you can stream movies and also buy them from Sony because obviously Sony's movie studio they own a bunch of movies it's like a, it's a store LG has a content <laughs> they have an area called LG content I think it's called and and this uh, and it comes with like a bunch of like you get 10 free credits so you can like one credit per movies so you can buy 10 movies for free with your you know horrendously expensive television so great I wow. got some free movies right but the reason people are recommending it is because the Bravia core movies are apparently the highest bit rate, highest quality type of content you can buy, much higher than if you buy it in the iTunes store, certainly higher if you, than if you stream it on Netflix or on HBO or something like that. They're just really? like incredibly huge, high bit rate movies, so much so that a Why lot of people- Why is it stored locally? Why, how could it be that much better? They, because they sell higher quality files. It's kind of like buying like lossless audio from the iTunes store, right? They just right. These are just higher bit rate digital files and you can download them, right? But then some people were saying when they try to stream them, their internet connection isn't fast enough. And this this brings me to my next thing, right? So these Bravia Core movies, my problem is I wanted to say, what movie do I want to waste this credit on? Because if I want something in super high quality, I mean, obviously- I like, just, just real quick, are these, is this like, I, wasn't gonna, I was going to say movie, but I actually really like movie. Are, are these like titles, movies that you would recognize? Yeah, no, because Sony owns tons of movies. I don't know if these are oh, all Oh, so you movies. get like a, like a Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. That was right up there. I, I don't know if it's just movies that oh, Sony owns, dude, but either way. I bet Into the Spider-Verse would look great. Yeah, so there's so I, the movies I really care about, I buy on 4K UHD Blu-ray, right? Because that is the highest bit rate. It's much better yeah. than streaming. You're never going to have to worry about any kind of network bandwidth issues because it's all on a stupid plastic disc. And, and you listen, I'm just here to tell y'all there's a difference. Like oh, yeah, there's the, a difference. even I'm just we talked about this a little bit in our uh, episode about usability of apps, but. I mean, there are some some services that'll look better than others. If I'm being honest, Apple streaming stuff actually is pretty great. I mean, like their TV shows look really good. But like if you pop in, I'm trying to think of something that I bought recently where you really notice the difference. I have to say Into the Spider-Verse is one where I bought it on 4K UHD. And as incredible as it looks on any screen, like it it's it is even better. Like you, you will notice a different difference, not least in the motion, like motion looks so much better. You don't lose any of the uh, crispness. There you go. Yeah. It's so like, I have, I am in this situation where movies that I don't care that much about, uh, I probably already bought them on iTunes. So I can just watch them there. Or you can stream them from Netflix or stream them from the HBO app, right? Movies mm -hmm. that I super duper care about. I've got those on plastic discs, the highest possible quality. This Bravia Core thing is kind of in between. It's like, you don't care enough about it to buy a $20 Blu-ray plastic disc and deal with that headache, but you would like to see it at a higher quality than you would get by streaming it from Netflix. Interesting. Or, or and so you, you chose what? I haven't chosen anything yet. But mm -hmm. the reason I bring this up is one of the complaints that people have who have Sony televisions is, hey, I went to the Bravia Core thing. I tried to watch a movie and I'm trying to watch it streaming so I don't have to wait for anything to download. And it was stuttering. My internet connection could not it did not have the bandwidth to transfer a the high bitrate 4K HDR movie 
like I couldn't do it, right? It was too slow. When's the last time that happened? Because what all these big streaming companies, you know, Netflix, HBO, whatever, even Apple, they tune the bandwidth to fit within most people's home internet right. connections. So, so it might, the thing is it's, it's, it's sort of like Skype though, right? In the sense of like, it's very unlikely to just stop. You think about like, I was watching the challenge this week for you by Friday was to watch Friday night baseball. And sometimes that would have like a weird stutter that you wouldn't see somewhere else. But generally speaking, like you might see a slight degradation but it catches up seamlessly as soon as it can, right? That's how they encode it. Things like Netflix, they'll just downgrade your the quality until it can go smoothly, right? But mm-hmm. the whole point of the Bravia Core movie thing is they don't want to downgrade your quality. So it's just going to say, look, this is the file we've got, and we're not going to try to downgrade it to fit within your internet connection. So your internet connection better be able to keep up with this. I respect that. Right, because it's the whole. I mean, it's the whole point of the service. Why would I use a service instead of buying it on, uh, on iTunes? Right. Well, here's why. Well, I mean, it'd be like, like I don't, I don't know much about title, but wasn't the the as you say value prop of title that like this is the highest or the Neil Young Pono thing or whatever? This is the highest quality version of this audio. That right. You can Except get. in this case, human beings can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> instead right. of just instead of just liking the one that's a little louder. Exactly. Um, so. Uh, this is relevant because one of the struggles I had when I talked about setting up my TV and ATP was like, I got everything all connected and I wanted to put it on Wi-Fi because when you set up apps on TVs, often they tell you, Hey, if you have like the YouTube app and you're on the same Wi-Fi network as your TV, we'll send you a login things. You don't have to type in your password or anything. Right. And I'm like, well, am I on the same Wi-Fi network as my TV? Because I said, my TV is not connected with Wi-Fi. I'm not an animal. I have an ethernet plug into the back of my TV. So my TV technically isn't even on Wi-Fi. And I was wondering if that was preventing this prop oh, right. from coming mm-hmm. up. And so I tried to turn on Wi-Fi on the TV. Yeah, it's plugged into Ethernet, but maybe to, when I'm setting up these apps and entering all my passwords and stuff, it would be easier if the TV could be on Wi-Fi. And I tried to get it connected to my Wi-Fi, and it wouldn't. And so that's where I left off on ATP. Like, why can't you connect to my Wi-Fi? Right. Right. So here's an update on that. Well, so the very first thing I thought of even before I recorded that ATP is like, you know what? I should just try unplugging the Ethernet because maybe that's the problem, Right. Eventually, I did do that. Oh, like it just needs to get a new DHCP or something? It, like it doesn't want you to be connected through Ethernet and Wi-Fi at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. So eventually, I did do that. And sure enough, if you unplug the Ethernet and turn on Wi-Fi, it works fine, right? The okay. reason I was doing that, though, is because I found out, uh, and I don't know why it didn't occur to me to look this up, but I found out that the Ethernet port on the back of this very, very expensive television is 100 megabits. Wait a minute. 10100, not gigabit Ethernet. So you have you have gigabit Ethernet. Does, is that a thousand times faster than that port can accommodate? It's ten times. Ten times. Hundred times ten is a thousand. I don't I don't I just don't know the prefixes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, that's 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 megabit really, is a hundred you know, hundred. I think, you think they're cheaping out? Like, why would you do that? It's a thing a lot of a lot of television stuff does, if you recall, for a long time the Apple TV box also had a hundred megabit Ethernet instead of gigabit. I in fact hmm. maybe it still does, I'm not entirely sure. And but just to be clear, this is something that's not may not be a fact. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong. It's a factor that may not affect a lot of people. If you're somebody who, for example, has satellite internet, but and, it's not going to affect anybody except somebody trying to watch Bravia Core movies, and which is their their big brand extension. That would be a nice way to show off the TV. But there's a built-in gating factor, right, and because of that, and you know that most people don't have Ethernet going to their television, so maybe they don't care. Because in theory, the <laughs> Wi-Fi can I go know faster so many people than that don't even have, use Ethernet to record podcasts. It's an affliction. People, people, people just do wireless for everything. It's Everyone weird. just use Wi-Fi. Yeah. So oh, yeah, it'll be fine. So the reason I was looking into this, I'm like, look, well, I have my television hooked up to Ethernet. <laughs> is I your, can't. Is your connect. Wi-Fi? Is the Wi-Fi? Sorry, is the Wi-Fi on the TV faster than the Ethernet? 
I think so. Yes, it should be in theory. <laughs> That's so weird. Because the, because the Ethernet is ancient, 100 megabits. Again, 100 megabits. It, it, so you get gigabit gigabit up and down. And if you run if you were to run speed test um, over on, like on a laptop using Wi-Fi, what would your up and down be? Well, it would be limited by over, the Wi-Fi speed, depending on how close I, I am. I mean, to that's one what I'm trying to ask you, though. Is like I don't I don't know what I don't know if you, I think you have an Eero. Right? You have an Eero that yes, goes I, to. Another I, have thing. The, I have the fancy Eero, um, and it should be. I mean, it should be. I should be able to get over 100 megabits from from many places um okay so my here's my problem with my tv what do i do in my tv situation so the first thing i did was i figured out how to get the wi-fi connect which is like if you just disconnect the ethernet turn on wi-fi connects fine but then i did a speed test of the of the wi-fi on the television which was difficult because i had to download this extremely sketchy looking speed test app from the sony app store or whatever the, the, their version of speed test yeah because i could if i can't go do it on the apple tv because the apple tv has its own ethernet connection so i wouldn't be speed testing what i think you, i have to do it yeah from you'd the be television. testing how fast the apple tv is. yeah so there was like seven speed test apps and i downloaded the one that looks the list of least like a virus <laughs> oh, right yeah uh and speed tested my wi-fi and i got about 70 to 80 megabits uh and it's just because it's not great wi-fi signal where my tv is why would 70, i ever need wi-fi signal there i have ethernet going to the back of my TV. set wait 70 or 80 megabits megabits yes. and so i if i get 900 down and 17 up that's megabits right yes yes that's insane john so that was that the seems, wi-fi that seems strikingly that seems erroneously low right i just it's just i don't have great signal there and but also like, but this, but that doesn't that doesn't make any sense like how could you be get you get nine you get a thousand in and out of the house mm-hmm. on your computer what do you get probably over 900 uh, when you're yeah, like, no, get the, when you're on wi-fi 000. you get when you're on wi-fi what do you get on a macbook i, mean, I don't tend to speed test things on wi-fi because everything in my house that needs a fast connection is wired. Oh God, i'm <laughs> compulsive i blow so much bandwidth everywhere i go because you know me I'm, <laughs> well, you know, I'm always sending you screen grabs of yeah. how like lte in yosemite is faster than my comcast connection at home mm-hmm. on on uploads this is the benefit of being friends with me. Now, if you're better fr- if you're f- friends of the show, you're going to get John's wisdom on things like, you know, the foot of a TV. Well, if you're friends with me, you're going to get screen grabs with scribbles on it uh, from speed test. Yeah, that, so the speed test apps, that's another factor. Uh, the, the sort of standard name brand speed test apps very yeah. often have, they will U- U- choose. Ula, Ula or Ufa or something like that. Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah. Uh, they'll choose a server that is geographically close to you so they get an accurate reading. Because what you don't want in a speed test app is to actually end up being limited by like traversing the internet to get to the server. Right, or if you've got a VPN on, that's going to affect yeah, it, obviously. Or, or yeah. you don't want to be limited by the server. So I don't know if the quality of the speed test app I was using is such that Maybe I could have gotten better speed than that if just the stupid server I was connecting to wasn't like on the other side of the world or having traffic problems or, you know, Mm -hmm. couldn't keep up with me or whatever. So I seems really low. I don't know how much to trust the speed test. But the bottom line is I was getting slower than 100 megabits on Wi-Fi. So I went back to the 100 megabit Ethernet and sure enough, you speed test that and it gets like 98 or whatever. So I'm using the whole 100 megabits, right? But that's not what I want. (laughs) I have gigabit Ethernet all all of my I mean, like you're a man who will change the fan on a Blu-ray player. How hard would it be to put a better? Because it's just it's it really is literally just the cable, right? No, it's the it's the interface. It's the the Ethernet plug on the back of this television. But like, if you were megabits. to change, the, is there a way that if you were if you you went you're an engineer, like if you were to swap that out with a gigabit, is it is it is gigi, is it, it doesn't have gigabit in the guts, and that's no, the real problem. No, it does not have gigabit in the guts. Uh, so oh, so it's like a Synology, where like if you want to get gigabit, you've got to buy a card. Yeah, but this television does not take cards. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just trying to <laughs> yeah. clarify. That's really lame. All right. So uh, my solution to this, and this is a solution that many other people have deployed, 
um, is, can you guess before I say, use your, your season technologist. Uh, I am. It's going to be some flavor of a workaround. And I'm guessing you can't cash the movie. Oh, wait, so while we're in passing, is it fair to say that this is something that will literally affect anyone that tries to watch any of these movies? If you're if you're connected to the fastest Ethernet in the world, but your gating factor is the speed of the Ethernet, mm-hmm. that's not going to work. It literally won't work for anyone. Oh, no, because if you're lucky, your Wi-Fi will be faster than 100 megabits <sighs> where you put your television. Um... Did you try to run it through something? I, I have no idea. I because the thing is, the Brava app is on your TV. Bravia, yes, Bravia. Sorry, is on your TV, and so it's going. I don't know how'd you do it. So I I want to get a hundred megabits uh, a second of network traffic into my television. The right. Ethernet port's not going to do it. Hell, the Wi Fi, water, right? Wi Fi right, right. is not going to do it. What's going to do it? Does it involve another port or a plug on your it TV? It does. HDMI? No, although HDMI does carry Ethernet. I don't know. Tell me. USB. There are USB ports on my television. There are USB, USB ports on your televisions. There are USB ports on most televisions these days. And so, but so you got a USB A. You got the blue one, probably USB three, right? It, yeah. Right. So, but, but like the 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 fast USB A yeah. is three, right? So yeah. you what what do you plug into the, your USB A port? To make it, f- oh, an Ethernet adapter, a USB to Ethernet adapter. Holy crap! A gigabit USB three to Ethernet adapter. Oh my! See, that feels like the kind of thing somebody should have noticed in penetration testing. <laughs> it's so cool that you can do that, and it worked. Right, it, well, it recognized so, it. It recognized it and said, "Okay, here comes here comes internet." So that's the question, right? So this is a tel- <laughs> that's insane. This is a television, not a computer, right? Uh, so well, I can't put an kinda, Ethernet, yeah. a, a gigabit Ethernet card in it. And I don't really like I all I have is the software that comes in. It's like Android 10, Google TV, whatever. Right. And so if you go to Amazon and type USB three Ethernet adapter, you will find dozens of them. Right. Which one, if any of these will work with your television? <laughs> so Internet Googling to the rescue. Because and of course, is it I mean, like, for example, I know that in some Ethernet, you guys have talked about this on ATP, but like in some Ethernet and in things like HDMI, for God's sake, and things like SCSI, I imagine, there's more to it than just a bunch of wires that are wrapped up. Like there's a, like a, I want to say a chip in some of those, right? Oh, that like for sure. But stuff. then you need a driver in the OS that your television is that running that understands what you've got, that knows that you plugged in a USB Ethernet adapter and can work with it. So the step becomes how do I figure out which kind of USB A3 would have the magic? uh incantation mm-hmm. what you know does my well, so the you first question an, is like you crack a pdf for that where do you yeah, go well no you got to do is go to the internet and search so since this is such a new television i'm like uh, among the very first customers to get this thing in the u.s because i ordered it like 60 seconds after it became available right and by the way i just got an email from another vendor that says hey your tv is available to purchase like yeah too late um <laughs> What do you got? Hey, well, um, Marcus said it's going to be available on Amazon like this month, right? Yeah. Supposedly. Uh, yeah. I think Crutchfield has limited <laughs> limited stock as well, if you're interested. Um, and we'll put an Amazon link in, but I don't know if you're able to order it. Uh, so I'm looking right now. I, I, I did a lot of Googling, but nobody has this TV yet, right? So all I could find is people with other Sony televisions saying- It's not saying, like making cases for an iPhone. Yeah. They, they were saying like, hey, I have some other Sony TV and I use this USB to Ethernet adapter and it worked for me. And then there's a bunch of discussion. Sony 65 inch 4K, is it A95K? Yes. Okay. I already put the link in the thing. Okay. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't see. 
Um, it's the weird Amazon one that's shortened because you can't see the name of it. Um, yeah, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I would too. It's, it's so, uh, <laughs> you know what? You, you don't need to sell that many of these. It was it used to be seven percent back in the day. Yeah, you get five percent of this. That's that's no, not chump you, change. You're not going to be able to buy this television. <laughs> no, Come on, gonna... help a brother. Hey, listen, John literally doesn't have a job. You guys get a mm-hmm. Bravia. And use use his special life hack for me. Mm-hmm. Now I want to see if I can if I can get faster Ethernet. I want to try this. So all the other people are saying like, oh, you have to make sure you have Android ten because the previous versions of Android don't work with USB Ethernet adapters at all. And then you have to make sure the chipset inside what? your USB Ethernet adapter is the specific chipset that will work with Sony televisions. But all this oh information was about televisions other than the Sony A ninety five K. So I did the best I could while I was on vacation because this this has all been coordinated between vacations with things coming to and fro. Right, and everything. right, right. Having to tell the guy down at the uh, the depot that you're out of town. Yeah. So they only sent one guy, John. That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I I ordered a USB Ethernet adapter. My best bet. I ordered an Anchor USB Ethernet. This is a high quality thing. I like the, Ooh, okay. the brand Anchor. And Love I made them. my best guess on a one that would I've work. Bought two of their battery chargers just in the last week. Yeah, I was using them on vacation. They're really nice. And that arrived just as I arrived home. Uh, and so I immediately plugged that in and TV doesn't see it. <laughs> so it's mm. like does not see it at all. That's this is what happens USB, when it doesn't. Uh, so USB-C adapter. Um, yeah, USB-A uh, to high, Ethernet high, adapter. High-speed data transfer, that one? USB-3 yeah, female? Okay. Plug it in and the television has no idea that it's there. It's just totally doesn't work, right? Okay. So then I read more threads. And by this point, someone with an A95K supposedly, as you would say, um, <laughs> found one that worked. Wait, wait, wait. So where'd you find this? Is this, is this Reddit? Or it was a Reddit find? result. Okay. All right. All right. And you don't know how, how much to trust it. And, and given the context, it's very, do not. Yeah. it's very difficult to tell whether they're really saying what you think they're saying, because the actual comment is, I tried well, to just you know what? My favorites are the ones, and this is a very Merlin man thing to do. The people who rush in to let you know how they solved a problem. I think you talked about this one time. The people who go in and go to five different fora to mm-hmm. go announce that they solved a problem. And then they come back a, a week later and like, <laughs> Like, yeah. oh, no, actually, it, it's actually a totally different thing, and I made it worse, and it wasn't really that problem. Nothing. Right, and then they don't correct it on the 17 other forums they put the thing. Correct. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a virus. So this Reddit thread was so confusing that in that it's not, it's not a complete sentence where it says, I have a Sony A95K, and I use this adapter, and it worked. That would be great, but instead, it's a thing that just says, I have one, and it worked, and that's the entire comment. And you have to divine Ugh. whether you think this person is trying to say that they have an A95K and which Ethernet adapter they're referring to based on the threading nesting, and you can never be sure. Is this Reddit? But anyway, um, the theory is that if you get one with the RTL8153 chipset, it will work Ooh. with your 95 k So I did find one that works. I ordered a second adapter, the, well, I'll read the product name. Cable Matters Plug and Play USB Ethernet Adapter, USB 3.0 to Gigabit Ethernet, Ethernet to USB Ethernet Adapter for laptops supporting 10-100-1000 megabits Ethernet network in black. That sounds like the one, yeah. That's the product name. I bought it. It was like 15 bucks. Put a link in the show notes in case you have an A95K. Okay, did you you put plug that in? it in, I'm, the television immediately sees it as Ethernet. Right. And then I speed tested that sucker and it was it was weird because it was getting I'd see it jump up to seven or eight hundred megabits, but then it would settle back down to four hundred. Again, I don't know if it's a speed test, but the whole point is more than a hundred. But see, that's like Peter Parker. He's still adapting to his powers, maybe. Yeah, more than 100 megabits. So Cable now I have... Is it around, around 15 bucks, this one? Okay. Yeah, so now I have Ethernet going to my television. It is faster than 100 megabits. I still am not on Wi-Fi because the only way the Wi-Fi works is if you unplug the Ethernet, but I'm not going to do that. So, Ugh. Oh, and the great thing is, you know, speaking of cable management, this thing has little doors in the back of it, little panels that snap in with these little clips, which are pretty neat. 
uh, and they're big enough. There's enough room behind the little snap-on panels for my Ethernet cable and the USB to Ethernet adapter. Well, are the doors it. for cable management? What are they for? Yeah, they're like you. They they hide all. See, the that's ports. what I'm talking about, John. They got a big foot. Well, when when you got a big foot. Now, is that in your stand or is that in your television? That's in the television, the back of the mm. television. Because remember, this television can also be wall-mounted. So they have to have, a, like, recesses for all the cables to go in because if you mount it on the wall, you can't have cables sticking out, right? It's got to be flush against the wall. <laughs> That's why you get that get that vase mount like Michael Scott. You know, if the room gets full, he can just push it back. Yeah, so I've got Ethernet on my television, solve that problem. Um, I think everything else is mostly going okay. I'm still fighting with a TiVo remote, trying to get its volume keys to control the volume right. of the, te- the television in the right way. I, I emailed TiVo support about that and said, hey, uh, can you tell me what remote code I have to type into my TiVo thingy to make it work with this fancy modern TV? Oh, and, and that one, wait, I have remember this. And, and it didn't work because you didn't have, the batteries need to be updated. Well, one thing was, yeah, the batteries need to be uh, refreshed for it to do anything. But then once I got it sort of working, the power button would work and the volume buttons would like you'd press volume up once and nothing would happen, but you press it a second oh, time. And then we get a disconnect between the two and like you, you keep cranking it up and cranking it up, but it's almost like they're on different ones on, uh, ones on, uh, arithmetic and ones on geometric. <laughs> like they have a different understanding of how the curve works. Yeah. Like, uh, like you, what you would expect is if I tap volume up, the volume number goes up by one. Yeah. And if I tap volume down, it goes down by one. But instead, tapping it would do nothing. Two taps would make it go up by four. And you're like, That's hey. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a slide rule. Uh-huh. It's a little bit messed up. Um, so I emailed TiVo support and I said, hey, what code should I enter? I tried a bunch of your different codes and some of them kind of work, but they all feel a little janky. This is a brand new TV. I'm just imagining a warehouse that has one desk and a bunch of raccoons. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a stretch. Somebody, somebody gets up, they adjust their green visor, and they go over to, like, the one file cabinet that's left, and the raccoons are gnawing on his lunch. And he's like, oh, yeah, I think I found what you need right here. Here's your code. I mean, but the good thing about TiVo is, for the few people who are still using it, they're kind of like, there's like a cult following. And so you might think the few people still working there would be the type of people who, like, they have a community no, it's of like, people. it's like a Newton. Who like descended on the A95K and said, we're going to get the remote codes for this. We'll get everything set up. Cause, but anyway, the, the support answer I got was if use these codes, they sent me to a support page I'd already seen, which is like, hey, you can make your remote try all the codes. If you type 09999, it'll go through hmm. all the codes somehow. And that totally didn't work for me. I've tried it like eight times. So they suggested that, which I had already tried. And they suggested the codes that are, you know, in the thing, which I had already tried. And they said, that if that doesn't work, contact your television's manufacturer. So they basically just said, and we're mm. done here. Go talk to Sony. Do you think part of this you could write down to what you described as, I mean, this sounds like a silly thing to say because it's a, probably a fairly mature product in many ways. It's, it's a, an established company. But you sort of said at yourself on ATP anyway, hey, you know, this is what you're in for when you buy the first version of something. You, you compared it to like the early days of a G5, you know, Tower Mac. Do you, do you think some of this, like that oversight on the Ethernet cable, I mean, that seems like a real boner to not have a faster. Certainly they will change that, don't you think? The thing about this TV is the screen, the panel, which is made by Samsung, the QD OLED, mm-hmm thing is brand new first generation no televisions have been produced with this panel before this is the very first you know there's a samsung television with this panel and there's this television with this panel like it's first generation right mm-hmm. but the guts of the actual television that are not the screen that are behind the sony television are all previous generation stuff the guts behind this the image processor all the circuit boards that control mm-hmm. the hdmi ports and the ethernet port and all that stuff that is from past sony televisions so that is not new. And making the new making chips for sort of the computer guts of the television doesn't happen that often. And Sony makes a lot of its own chips 
uh, and also includes some third-party stuff in there. LG, I think, makes even more. Maybe they make all their own chips. It's one of the reasons LG has some of the best chip tech in there. Most of the industry uses like MediaTek chips, which is a third-party company that makes chips for televisions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so everything that is slightly behind the times of my television, the 100 megabits Ethernet port, the that Android has OS nothing that to runs. do with the new Samsung screen technology. It, it, yeah, that is from the old Sony televisions. That's why right. they're using that because it takes them wow. several generations to come up with a new set of things. And so that's why I only have like, I think I have three HDMI ports that can do a 4K at 120 hertz instead of having them all support that. Uh, I don't think it supports the full bandwidth of like 120 hertz, 4K, 444, Chroma, blah, blah, blah. Like mm -hmm. the LG chipset is better, especially for games. I knew all this going in. I just didn't look at the Ethernet port because I didn't really even think about it. Uh, lesson learned. Uh, but I'm glad that the U that the well, guts. Whereas you did look at the HDMI ports. That was part yeah, of I your. I looked at the thing. HDMI ports. I knew about the the chipset. I knew about all the limitations that are available there. And my receiver helps out with that a lot because my receiver has way more ports that support that. It's a multiplying factor. So I'm good with everything. But the Ethernet won't call me by surprise. You know. And then yeah, like I said, the the chipset inside this is an older chipset. So even though this is like the first generation of this TV. Yeah. The computer part of the TV is a known quantity, right? It's not right, the first right, generation right. of that stuff. I hope we'll, um, well, I can't imagine that we would return to this, but, but in parting, my only, uh, just cause you're you and you, you notice things. Um, as you sit here today, I'm, first of all, I'm really glad it went as well as it did. I'm really glad you got a TV before you died. That would have really bummed me out. Mm -hmm. And I will tap dance at your funeral. As, as long as I don't have to travel, I will tap dance at your funeral. You're gonna hurt your, you're gonna hurt your knees. You hit your bum. My knees are, my knees are bad. That's the other thing I didn't think about with the standing desk. Uh, as you sit here right now, uh, because of how you are, and it's not, a, this, I'm, I'm not being critical. I'm just encouraging your criticism muscle. Uh, as you look back on your journey with this, is there anything you wish you'd done differently? I mean, I wish Sony had produced a stand that would fit with my furniture because first yeah, party, but you, but you knew that and accommodated. Is there anything in, in either preparing the way or making this choice? Cause I mean, it sounds like you really did everything right to the best of your ability, but is there anything along the way that you wish you'd looked into or you wish you'd planned differently? I mean, is there anything right now that you wish you could go back and change? I don't think so. Good. I, th I think, I think everything that I could do, I did. And it more or less, turned out pretty well like i the only thing i think about is that if i hadn't just been in this big phase of just spending lots of money on expensive stuff i got my son a laptop for his college i paid his college tuition oof that's a big bill um Yikes. like if i hadn't been in that phase i probably would have entertained buying new speakers i i they used to say in the 1980s and this might just be the kind of thing a salesperson says like you know don Cheadle in uh boogie nights but the thing i used to hear was that half of the money for your entire stereo set should be speakers more than no half. matter more than half really because i've just heard people say like <clears throat> there's you know well i mean but i think that was probably more true well i bet it's more true now just in the sense that to get the components of a good i don't know what what's it what's what's good not kenwood but like a macintosh or a nakamichi or whatever like you know having a really good cassette player and a really good turntable instead of your old like i say your old bsr they're all talking about a gating factor if you cheaped out on your speakers, it's not going to sound good. Yeah, I mean, my my room is incredibly hostile to reasonable speaker setups. <laughs> so, well, that's because of geometry. You're yes. you're basically living in like a like a Dekirico or like a cubist painting. Yeah, and uh, so there's not a lot of space for things. Things can't be correctly aligned. So I bought small, cheap-ish speakers. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And, and no, no amount of, I don't have room for good speakers. Good speakers take up too much room. I don't have any place to put them because I'm all kitty cornered and messed up. But these speakers have been here for a while. They could probably be improved upon by similarly sized speakers that are better quality. But I didn't have the money to dump into that. Um, I, 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 it's fine. They're fine. And you can always change that. That's one thing you can always change later. Yeah, that's easy to upgrade. Speakers are just speakers. There's no compatibility things. I have these are all wired speakers, including the surrounds. So it's not high technology. There's no weird wireless stuff. They just plug in with speaker wire. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. But everything else turned out pretty well. I'm still working on things. I'm still going through the settings. I know I talked a little bit on ATP, but I like I have not finished that journey. That part is really not fun, and it's you know as much as you. It. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, you, you mentioned the Dirac Live thing, which is the audio setting where you where you put which a little I microphone. It, it sounded room. like it might be like uh, I don't know. What are those guys with the crabs on their head in Star Trek? Dirac sounds like somebody that you know would face off with Captain Pike. Yeah, it's room compensation, and it's and super that's the important. one where you have seventeen points it listens for to decide how to tune your room. Yep, that's right. You, you put your you put a little microphone on a tripod and you move it to seventeen uh-huh. different locations oh, and it well, plays a know, bunch of test tunes. I didn't have any other plans today. Why not? Oh, it takes hours. It's and and during that time, everyone in the house has to be quiet. The family loves it. Can't have dogs or stairs. That's know. right. You got to redo it then. If it's something, if some a dog barks, if a house creaks, if someone steps on a stair, you got to redo. Start that. over. Start yeah. over. Direct. Direct live. Yeah, but it is live. so essential because my room is so weird that I, I mentioned ATP. I accidentally didn't have the room compensation enabled oh, for right. one of the you HDMI inputs. It was weird. Yeah, and it yeah, sounded yeah. terrible. I was like, what is going on here? This sounds totally messed up. And I was like, oh, I didn't have. And I enabled it. I was like, ah, everything. Like, it really works. It works in a way that anybody can notice. So. I'm glad I have that, and I'm glad I sat through that experience. I, although, having done it once now, this is the first time I ever did Direct Live, I really kind of do feel like I should do it again, you know, because like, now I know how the yeah, program but like you, works. The way you described it, it's like, you are, if there's anybody in the world who would be able to suffer the, um, I don't know, how, what, do, what do you call it, the, the nerdy specificity of doing that process, it's you. And if you had a tough time with it, I'm not sure who that's great for. I mean, it's just it's the, it's because the program doesn't make it clear whether you're doing the right thing or not. And it complains to you if something is wrong. But it's like, what do you want me to do about this? Like, oh, I couldn't hear the signal to noise ratio was too low. So should I go back to the volume test and change the volume there? Does that affect the future it's like test? It's sword from the stone, though. If you could do it, you wouldn't have to ask. If I change the volume on the volume test, do I have to redo all the Don't placements? do it too loud, though. Those high-pitched things can damage your ears. You know what I'm I saying? Know. Yeah, no, they warn you about that. And yeah. so, like, they try try to be helpful like each each step has this giant screen full of text that tries to explain to you what it has to do but it doesn't answer some very important questions and when it does complain to you it says oh this didn't work because x it should say here's what you should do to fix it and i needed to know like if like again if i have to go back to the volume step does that invalidate all the measurements i took at the previous volume or are those not connected anyway i now that i've done it once and i had to backtrack several times and i did start over for safety several times but now that i've gone through it all once i feel like a (laughs) second run through I would better know how to not screw up any portion of it so that I don't have to worry about questions like if I have to backtrack, do I have to redo everything? You need to get that family out of your house and and to have them take yes. the dog. I mean, the house itself as an edifice, as we know, creaks of its own accord. You can't change that for now, but it's like me, like last, I think we talked, yeah, last episode, the suspenders episode. There's certain stuff in our in my house where I I can't tell you why, and yet I know to a certainty that my family must not be there when I try to do this that I will annoy them, they will get in my way, mm-hmm. and we will have friction. And it's like, I thought I thought to myself, my kid goes to bed pretty early. 
Um, and so I thought if I have the Roomba run every night at 7.40, it'll be fine. There's no good time to run the Roomba. Somebody's mad about mm-hmm. the Roomba all the time. Do you know how much that cost? It was a Christmas gift for the family. Mm-hmm. And everybody's so goddamn mad about the Roomba. Now, in your case, you can, can you make a deal with them? You could say maybe go have a day, like uh, go to some kind of local fun fair, bring the, maybe have the dog go for some kind of like uh, the dog version of, of uh, you know, equestrian training. Get him out of the house, and then you can tune your, uh, your what's his name, Torvac? What is it? Dirac. Dirac! Dirac Live! It's not Dirac, it's just a Dirac Live. Yeah, it wouldn't be a problem except it's summer, and the kid, none of the kids are in school. The dog is not the problem. Dog, She's a good dog. Uh, she's it's very the, good it's dog. the humans, right? Uh, so the kids are just not, they're not in school. So once the kids go off to school, this will be a lot easier for me to redo, and hopefully by then I will have settled all the picture settings. Mm-hmm. 